Welcome to the Food Therapy Podcast, where we talk honestly and openly about mental health, diet culture, BS, and food freedom. We're your co-hosts. I'm Brittany Modell, owner of Brittany Modell Nutrition and Wellness. And I'm Lauren Sharp, owner of Empower Method Nutrition. We are food freedom registered dietitians who have struggled with mental health, poor body image, and disordered eating behaviors. We are on a mission to dismantle diet culture, normalize conversations around mental health, and empower you as you heal your relationship with food and your body. Let's get talking. Hello and welcome back to the Food Therapy Podcast. Today we are met with Ali Bonner, who is the CEO and founder of Oat House, a CPG company on a mission to bring the joy and play back into eating. Ali created their flagship product, granola butter, while in recovery from her decade-long battle with orthorexia, binge eating, and exercise addiction. She's now on a mission to help others love themselves and feel less alone. She lives in Philadelphia with her partner, Eric, and their dog, Squishy. And after this, you guys will follow Allie on Instagram and you'll see Squishy and you're going to die because it's so cute. Thank you so much. As, as you say that Squishy's growling, um, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'm camera shy. Um, thank you guys so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. Yes. So excited so to have your story. And I feel like I haven't even really heard fully how granola butter came about, which I should honestly know the entire story of the brand by now because I eat it like four times a day, but yeah, (laughs) no, no, no worries. Um, yeah. I mean, granola butter actually came out of my eating disorder recovery, as you mentioned, um, which is, it seems like sort of a random way to create a product. I think most people have this sort of lovely, um, very curated way of, you know, CPG owners of, Oh, I just, I, you know, stumbled upon this idea and then I just made it in my kitchen and la di da. Um, mine was actually out of a very dark place, but I will say that, you know, things got much better. Um, so there is a happy ending. Um, but yeah, I struggled with food in my body for, as you mentioned over a decade and really battled with it all. I mean, orthorexia, binge eating, exercise addiction, tried to make myself throw up, tried to be bulimic. That was never my, my bit, but, um, I really kind of used exercise as a way to punish myself for things that I ate, et cetera. So I just had a really tumultuous, toxic relationship with food for so long. And, you know, I look back and try and figure out where did it begin or how did it start? And I know a lot of people have experiences where maybe someone said something, or maybe their parents put them into Weight Watchers or something similar at an early age. I actually, you know, looking back, never thought that I had anything like that. Um, and it hasn't been until very recently that, you know, I've had a really, um, I guess, heart to heart conversation with my parents and doing a lot of inner work and self-work kind of realized that I was raised in a household that really prioritized, um, appearance and exercise, but it was sort of the nineties version. It wasn't, you know, it was like exercising to burn off what you ate. Um, both of my parents were triathletes. They were just always moving and we were always on hikes and bike rides. And it was just all about, you know, moving your body, but it wasn't like a joyful intuitive movement. It was sort of like punishing almost in a way. Um, I mean, obviously they loved it too, but you know, it was just the lifestyle I grew up in and not to blame, you know, I think a lot of people also feel like, you know, it's their parents fault or it was because of their childhood that they developed this. And for me, I really believe that 
you know, that was a component, but it wasn't the reason that I developed issues with food. It was that combined with the fact that I was, you know, very type A, very perfectionistic, very hard on myself, um, combined with, you know, as you guys both know, our society that just completely is obsessed with being thin and smaller is better. And, you know, this one body type that you see in the media. So it was sort of a perfect storm, um, that created and led to my, my demise with food really. Um, and so long story short, really battled with this from the time I was, you know, 13, 14, 15, can't really remember exactly when it began. Um, and then I ended up going to college and studying nutrition. Um, so I went up to school in the Bay area, studied nutrition for my undergrad, which I did it all for the wrong reasons. I really went into it, you know, thinking that the more that I learned about nutrition, maybe I could unlock this secret to having the perfect body or the perfect diet, um, losing weight. And I just felt like there was some information that everyone else had that I didn't know. And everyone else had this secret and I didn't know it. And I was just obsessed and I was, you know, determined to figure whatever that was. And unfortunately what that did was it just spiraled me and kind of exacerbated the issue even more. So, you know, I remember my nutrition, 101 class, like we had to do a food journal and we had to do a food diary and kind of analyze everything that we ate, which, you know, it makes sense, I guess, for someone who wants to become a dietitian, but, um, it was sort of learning about macros and everything like that. But for me, I just, it was like, I had to have like the perfect diet. And it really, I think that was the first time in my life I had written down what I ate and seen it on paper. And it just felt, and even looked at calories, I remember. And it just felt like so much. Like I looked at calories and I was just like, oh my gosh, like thousands of calories. Like that feels like a lot to me because I had no, I had no concept. And I was, cause just the, the number thousands just feels like a big number, you know? And so I was like, I need to get that number lower. And that's really what, um, started to catapult the obsession with numbers because up until then it was sort of like, I always had weird tendencies around food, but it was very qualitative and you know, maybe I would go vegan for a week when I was in high school. But once I got to college, it was really numbers focused, which became very dangerous because then it was a quantity game. Right. Um, and so, you know, the thing that really, I think I'm, I'm so passionate about talking about with this whole experience is if you knew me in college, if you saw me on the outside, I was partying, I was social, I was in a sorority, I was, you know, really active in my community. And I, also didn't look like I had an eating disorder. Like I was in the same size body I am today. And, you know, I just wasn't the stereotypical frail underweight gal that, you know, you think of as someone who has an eating disorder. So no one knew. Also, I was a nutrition student. So all my friends were like, oh, Allie's eating grilled chicken salads all day. Like that's because she's the healthy one. And so that really played into my whole identity as well. And so that made it really easy for me to hide and also really difficult for me to reach out and seek help because I felt like I didn't look like I had an eating disorder. So I wasn't sick enough and maybe I wasn't trying hard enough. And it was this whole mess. So long story short, promise granola butter comes in somewhat <laughs> somewhere. Um, so I end up, you know, a few years after college, I graduate. And at this point it's been almost 10 years, right? Like I'm 24, you know, 20, almost 25. And I'm just like, I'm so sick of watching my life pass me by. I'm so sick of being in this mental prison. I'm so sick of going to a restaurant with friends and just scanning the menu for the healthiest thing on the menu and not even considering what I want or what I'm craving. Um, it was so exhausting. I'm just exhausted telling you guys about it, like just mentally. 
And so I ended up reaching out for help, found this amazing therapist who just, you know, basically shifted my whole worldview, you know, from a place of scarcity and food was out to get me to really food being there for me and, you know, food loving me back and food is nourishment. And also I had this crazy epiphany, which will sound wild to anyone who's never struggled with food issues, but I know your listener base probably will understand, um, is that, you know, like food, there's no good or bad foods. And also, so that was one thing. And also, you know, if you're craving something, you can have it. Like you don't have to choose the healthiest thing on the menu. Right. And that was such an epiphany for me is like having a craving and not being afraid of it, but actually honoring it. Cause so often I would have a craving come up and be like, Oh my God, Oh my God, what do I do? Ah, I'm going to either distract myself or I'm going to eat something healthy, you know, a healthier replacement. And like that craving would never go away and I would never feel satisfied. And then I would binge and it was a full cycle. So where granola butter comes in is part of my recovery journey was introducing my fear foods back into my diet. So with orthorexia, with, you know, eschewing entire food groups and carbs and just big, um, components of food, I was terrified of them. I would choose, you know, a salad like bigger than the size of my head rather than having just a sandwich because I was terrified of the carbs. So part of that journey was actually reintroducing my fear foods, exposing myself to those things. Um, and so one of the, one of my fear foods was nuts and nut butters. So when I tried to reintroduce peanut butter and almond butter, I went zero to hundred as one does in recovery, as someone who has restricted something for a long time, you go through that honeymoon phase. I think it is so normal and actually a really great part of the process. And it's just human when you've restricted yourself from something for so long. And the issue with that though, was because my body wasn't used to having a lot of nuts or any at all, actually, because I'd restricted them for so long going zero to hundred, my gut was just not in a place to really digest them well. And I actually felt like shit. <laughs> I felt terrible. I was eating them on like almond butter, peanut butter on everything. And I felt horrendous. Like I couldn't digest them. So in the meantime, you know, I was working with a nutritionist and she really recommended, you know, don't give up on your recovery. Let's maybe swap it out for something nut-free, see if how that does with your body. So I tried the sunflower seed butter, tried the soy nut butter. Wasn't for me personally, <laughs> tastes like trash in my opinion, not to bash <laughs> any other brands, but just wasn't my thing. Um, and I was so determined. I was just at this point where I was like, I am not going to use this as an excuse to slip back into, oh, well, I don't need a healthy fat on, you know, my oatmeal, or I don't need to throw this on a banana. I like, I was just going to really passionate about choosing recovery. So I got in my kitchen and I was like, what can I make? That's a spread. That's not nuts. That's not disgusting seed and soy nut butters. And I thought about oats and I was like, it's so interesting to me with all these oat milk companies, you know, Oatly and all, et cetera, coming onto the scene. No one has done an oat-based spread and oats are so delicious. They're usually pretty well tolerated, um, digestively, at least they were for me. And so I started playing around with it. Obviously first tried them raw, don't recommend a raw oat butter. It's nasty. Um, then I started thinking about baking them and I was like, Oh, what about like a granola, like a granola spread with some coconut oil, healthy fats. And that's where the first idea for granola butter came from. So that was in 2017 fast forward for how many years later. And, um, yeah, and we are, I'm doing it full time, but that's really where the Genesis came from. And now our mission is 
so focused on, yes, our product is made with wholesome, healthy ingredients. I was just talking about this on our stories last night. I'm, I'm just so sick of healthy food companies being like, here, eat our product because it's gluten-free and vegan and plant-based and zero sugar. And like, that's the reason they're telling people to eat their product. Like, what about how it tastes? What about how does it make me feel? You know, am I craving it? Does it spark joy? So I think for us, like the wholesome ingredients, being gluten-free, being allergen-free, those things are all nice to haves, but that's not the reason I want someone to be eating granola butter. I want them to be eating it because it tastes good, because it makes them happy, because it's a little slice of joy in their day, you know, when everything else is so crazy busy. So that's really, it's my experience and my journey is kind of fueled into our mission moving forward with Oat House um, in sort of a food freedom mindset around um, our products. Wow. That was amazing. That was a lot. (laughs) No, no, it was, I I think everyone who's listening will really resonate with, I mean, I'm, I'm listening and Lauren and I are just like bobbing our heads like (laughs) up and down. There are so many things. I mean, even just with the nutrition component, I, Brittany, I think you can relate to it too, or we were both like, oh, let's get into nutrition so that we can like crack the code, right? Let me understand the exact science so I can figure this out for myself and obsess over it even more. Um, Especially with, like you mentioned, the perfectionism, the type A personalities. uh, It's so common to be like, well, let me just, I'll figure it out for myself and let me get you know, get down to the nitty gritty of it. Um, And I love also what you said about giving yourself basically giving yourself the choice, right? I can have this or I can have that. I don't need to, you know, force myself to ignore this craving, but what, what is it that I really want right now? Um, and it's that unconditional permission that I think is really healing for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So no, I mean, your story is so inspiring. And the fact that you were able to work through the really difficult challenges of an eating disorder and orthorexia and turn it into something so beautiful that's helping so many people. And I also love how, what you were saying, I think a lot of wellness companies definitely drive with the mission of like, you have to eat this to be healthy. And the fact that, you know, Oat House really focuses on joy and satisfaction and pleasure is not something you often hear from a lot of these like quote unquote healthy food companies. So I feel like that's such a great mission that is honestly so needed. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I understand why other food companies do it. And I'm not saying that we don't talk about those things because those, unfortunately in our wellness climate right now, and it is important, you know, say for someone with nut allergies, it's important for us to be like, Hey, we're allergen free. Like this is safe for you to eat. So I'm not saying that we like never talk about those, those value props, but, um, yeah, I've just found it to be very, one-sided and, and kind of, um, just lacking the dimension and lacking just the acknowledgement of food being an emotional, you know, substance, (laughs) like it's all, all of these food companies just really relying on the nutritional value. And it's just, it's very limiting and it's very, um, yeah, just myopic and kind of one black and white, I guess. Um, so that's really why we've been kind of focusing on that. But I will say it's challenging because, and I was talking about this actually on our stories yesterday too, we get so many messages from people who are like, can you make this lower fat? Can you make this Mm -hmm. keto? Can you make this zero sugar? And it's like, no, like we won't, you know, can you make this with monk fruit and stevia? And it's like, 
No, <laughs> I mean, I understand for medical reasons, say, you know, if you have diabetes, et cetera, like I'm not discounting that, but it's just people are always trying to make things like the healthiest thing possible. And it just ruins the taste. You know, it's, it's not the same experience. Right. And what about just eating something? Because, you know, maybe granola butter isn't kale chips. I know it's not, it's not the healthiest thing in your pantry, but it makes you feel good. It sparks joy and it tastes really freaking good. So, you know, why wouldn't you just kind of embrace that? I think just as like this American society that we're in, we're all about like, you know, faster, stronger, healthier, cleaner ingredients. And sometimes I think we have a hard time living in the gray. So, um, yeah, that's been, it's been interesting from the business side, just kind of hearing people's feedback with that as well. Yes. It's so interesting. It's also like, what even is healthy? Is keto healthy? Is, you know, like what are, everyone has their own standards of healthy. For me, I'm like, oh, this is super healthy because it's a great addition to my cottage cheese in the morning. <laughs> Literally every single morning. It's like a religion for me at this point. Um, <laughs> and um, it's a great source of fat. It is delicious. It makes me happy. I look forward to it, you know? Um, so everyone has their own definition of health too. I have to tell you too, I got my blood work done and my HDL was really high, which for anybody who doesn't know, that's like your good cholesterol. You want it to be high. And Austin was joking with me and he's like, it's probably all of like the flax oil in the granola butter. Yeah, it's so true. I love that. No, that's actually such an interesting point because again, I mean, I see we're still such a small company. Like I help out with our, all the emails we get from customers. And so I read everything like passionately. Cause I also want to hear what people are thinking and saying in their experience. And it's so wild because yeah, to one person, they're like, Oh, the coconut oil, like that's too much saturated fat. And then someone else is like, Oh, it's too high in salt. And someone else is like, Oh, I'm on a low potassium diet. So everyone is really just, yeah. you know, or kosher. Like there's just so many different viewpoints around food that yeah, you can't really say this is healthy. This is unhealthy. Um, and I remember when we first started our company, I was doing all of our demos like at Whole Foods and stuff. And that is the best customer feedback. Like you get, because people don't know that you're the founder, like doing yeah. the, the demos. And I remember this woman came by and she said something that I just, it made me so sad for her because she was like, oh, this is so delicious, but it's so fattening. And like that word fattening is such a like eighties, nineties word where I'm yes. like, what does that mean? Like right. no food is inherently fattening. You know, right. it's like the quantity that you're whatever, like, it's not, you can't just have one food that's fattening. Right. And of course I wasn't going to like <laughs> lay into her and be like, <laughs> like, what do you mean? And I was just, I looked at her and I was like, I was so sad for her because she really loved it. She enjoyed it and she thought it tasted really good. And I just saw her like longingly put it back. And I was like, Oh, that's no. And she was probably in her seventies, you know? Right. And I'm like, I mean, girlfriend also at that point, like enjoy yourself. You know, I'm like, really like, you're not going to look back on your life and be like, God, I was so thin. Like I just had the best thinnest life. Like you're going to look back and be like, you're going to remember memories of people, you know, whatever. So I digress, but that was just also something that really stuck out to me and really just cemented my passion and my mission to help people not feel that way because it's a terrible place to be as you guys know. Yeah. It's so interesting too. I find, um, that people almost think they're doing something wrong when they enjoy their food. And it's such a backwards approach to actually enjoying food. I feel like if you go to Europe, there's so much more satisfaction and enjoyment when eating, but in the U S it's like, if you actually like what you're eating, then somehow you're doing something wrong. Yes. And what often gets missed is 
yeah, like there are foods that are great to raise your HDL and high fiber, but that doesn't need to be all foods that we eat. Like we can eat foods simply because they taste good and simply because they're satisfying. But again, as we were talking about earlier, like that falls into the gray area and people's relationship to food is so binary that they don't even recognize like, oh, I could actually eat food just simply because it tastes good. Like it doesn't need to have X amount of grams and fiber and, you know, all these other health benefits. I love that. I'm so happy you said that because I was just thinking about that the other day. Like this morning, I got this new cookbook and I'll have to, it's by Amy Chaplin. She was, um, I think she was at Food 52. She's just this amazing, like Australian, like she lives up in the Hudson Valley and like makes like porridge. Like, you know, it's like kind of cottage core, just like goals, um, like makes everything from scratch. And so sometimes I try and channel myself. I'm like, Oh, maybe I'll do this, even though I have no time. And that's probably never going to be me. Um, but for so long, I, I was so ashamed that I loved food. Like I was ashamed and I didn't want to admit it to myself. I never, I almost like, yeah, I was just afraid to say I'm a foodie. I love food. And I remember even thinking to myself when I was deep in my disorder, like I can never be successful at, you know, restricting, I can never be skinny because I love food too much. And I I remember thinking that so many times and it's like, that's so sad because yeah, you think about the Italians and the French and like, it's a religion, like wine and pasta and food is such a religion. And it's interesting because now that I've allowed myself to really lean into that. And like this morning I was, I made like a porridge recipe from her cookbook and I like made the hemp milk from scratch. And it was, it took like 20 minutes because I'm working from home today. I could never do this on days that I go into the office. So people listening don't think this is my daily life. Um, but it was really an experience. And I sat down and I just like, wasn't on my phone, closed my eyes, like really took in the smell and the flavor. And I enjoyed every single bite. And at the end of it, you know, I felt so satisfied in my soul. And in the past, when I felt guilty about it, I would scarf it down really quick. And then maybe I would like go in the pantry, see what else was there because I wasn't, satisfied in my soul. And so I was, I felt guilty and then I would binge. And it was just, it's interesting because everything I was seeking when I was in that place, like eating, quote unquote, eating less. And, you know, like I actually didn't find that not saying that like intuitive eating, as you guys know, is the goal to like eat less, but just when you find that you're satisfied, you're not seeking out all of these other things because you're just, you're honoring your cravings and you're, you know, really treating your body and mind with respect and you're loving yourself. And I think my biggest fear with being, having food freedom and intuitive eating, which a lot of people, as you guys know, is like, well, if I let myself have a donut, like I'm just going to eat donuts forever and into eternity. And it's like, that's actually not true because you end up, you know, wanting to feed yourself with things that make you feel good too. So again, that was another tangent, but I'm so glad you said that because for so long, I was like, so embarrassed to say that I love food. Yes. I was the same way. I actually, I had a client session yesterday and she said, I have to work out because I love food too much. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that kind of made me think about, you know, that's why I brought it up because it's almost like, again, it's, it's something that's wrong. And when people say like, I love food too much, I'm like, but how lucky are you that you love food? Like, I actually feel sad when people don't like food. Cause there are people in this world who just like, eh, like, give me whatever and I'll eat whatever. That's That's my boyfriend. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Allie, and I remember it, you posting about that with Eric and he's yes. like an eat to live kind of person. Oh my God, you guys, you have no idea. It's actually been so illuminating in my recovery. Like it's been very challenging, but also very helpful to have someone like that. Yeah. And I think men in general, not to 
obviously stereotype an entire gender, but from what I, at least the men in my life, they're yeah. very just non-emotional with food. Yes. The ones that I know where it's like, he can eat a kale salad and he can eat Taco Bell. And like, they have the same emotional yeah. weight to him. Yeah. And, but again, another thing is like, he's the type of guy where he forgets to eat. And so he'll go a long yeah. time without eating, which was so triggering for me for so long, because I did a bunch of like posts about this on my page where it's like, I was noticing, especially when we were traveling and you're like seeing every meal that your partner's eating. I was like, I'm literally eating like twice as much as you are. And you're six, two or however tall you are. Mm -hmm. And that really messed with me. And then I was also like, but we're such different people. And Eric is like such a little couch potato slug and doesn't not saying that it even matters, but it's like, I work out all the time, you know, I'm more active and it's just interesting how, yeah, you just, those people that kind of, he's like very take it or leave it with food, which is ironic because he runs a food company with me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I almost feel sad because I'm like, we'll go out to eat and I'm like fawning over something. I'm like, isn't this so amazing? He's like, yeah, it's good. I'm like, oh, <laughs> yeah, are you? It's not even a good or, it's not good or bad, right? It's yeah. just like, it is. And some people love food. Some people don't love food. Food brings me truly so much joy. And I think it does for all three of us yes. that I can't imagine not being excited to try a new restaurant or trying new foods. And I think what food freedom brings to us is the fact that we can actually do that without shame, without guilt and really leaning into what feels good. But that's always how I approach it with clients. It's like, how lucky are you that you have something that you love, that you have something that you're passionate about and you can actually enjoy the food. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Allie, you say that feeling of like that, just like satisfaction in your soul. Like that is the best feeling of just like content. Like when you just have a good meal and you're just like, that feeling is the best. And I never had that when I was, you know, struggling with food. It was like you said, you're always just like looking in the cabinets for more. Like you're just never satisfied. Um, and I also found it super triggering, like in college when, I don't know if I would say triggering, but I almost thought like my friends and I in my major would joke like, oh, guys, like how do people just forget to eat? And usually it was guys were like, that is crazy. Like I think about food all the time. And we thought that was like a normal thing when yes. really the the guy, I mean, obviously they they should be eating more frequently, but at the same time, them not thinking about food all the time is healthier than what we were doing, which was obsessing over what we were eating, thinking about lunch when it was breakfast, thinking about dinner when it was lunch, et cetera. Right. Um, so it's so interesting, just all of that. And also the emotional component that I think uh, we have with food is a big factor in that as well. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And now it's funny, like, as I mentioned, like the guy, you know, would forget to eat. And now, like you were saying that I get so immersed in my work. And it's just, you have so much, so much freedom where before you're calculating every little thing and it's exhausting. And I just, I look back and I'm like, how much better could I have done in school? If I wasn't thinking about food all the time, like how much more present could I have been in my relationships, my friendships? Um, I just, yeah, I, I think that it's, it just bleeds into everything. And now I think, oh my gosh, the amount of mental energy it takes to run this business. Like I couldn't do it. I really couldn't. Like I need a hundred percent dedicated to this. And before 99% was dedicated to thinking mm. about my situation with food. And like now I kind of, it's almost, I've gone the other way where I completely like today I'm working from home, made my little porridge. But when I'm in the office, I actually have a meal delivery, a local meal delivery service that 
delivers all my lunches and all my dinners during the work week, because I was like, I can't, I can't spend 1% of thought being like, what am I having for lunch today? I just need to like pull it out of the fridge and eat it. And it doesn't mean that like, I think there's also times in your life, like we were saying, you know, right now, like I still love food. I'm still a foodie, but you also have to think about priorities. And like, right now it's the business and it's not like how many macros are in my lunch. And I just, I I can't allocate that energy towards that right now. And that's okay. And for people who, who do have that time, like that's fine too. But, um, but yeah, it's just night and day from where I was. So amazing. Yeah. You truly, it's, it's something that you can't conceptualize until you're on the other side. Like when I talk to potential clients, I'm like, you could like, you, you don't realize how much headspace you gain until you're there because right now you're just like, well, what else would I even think about? Like, you know, Mm -hmm. but when you get to that other side, you're like, oh my gosh, the amount of like joy and headspace I have is crazy. And, you know, you mentioned oat house and, I know startup, especially, you know, something like a food startup can be taxing. Is there anything that you have in terms of like rituals or anything that you have to do to prioritize your mental health? Yeah. So, you know, it's, this is actually such a perfect segue because I was also thinking about that as we were talking, like I spent so much time thinking about food that I neglected, um, just my inner feelings and thoughts for so long, call it spirituality, you know, whatever, if you subscribe to a religion or just, you know, kind of just more, um, I guess, general spirituality or like kind of self-help just the, that whole genre. I was, I totally neglected. Cause I was like, if it isn't helping me lose weight, like, I don't care about the mental health side. I was like, that's a waste of time. I'm like, yoga meditation doesn't burn calories. <laughs> like That's a waste of my goddamn time. And I really am, this sounds so like basic white girl. (laughs) I hate to say this, but I feel like I'm on the cusp of like this spiritual awakening for myself where I was on vacation last week, first vacation I took like in forever. And it was the first time I like didn't look at email, you know, we were down in Mexico and I was just like off the grid and I really had time. I wasn't thinking about the business. And I was like, who am I? Like, what do I want? I haven't even gone inward in so long. And I almost feel like the business has, it's helped me with recovery in so many ways, but it's also just distracted me in so many ways where it's like, oh, I'm not thinking about food all the time because I'm thinking about keeping this business afloat. So there was, it was very illuminating in that sense. But to answer your question, I really you know, thought about, okay, what rituals do I want to implement? Like, do I want to start dabbling in meditation? Because apparently, you know, everyone raves about it. seems like it must be working (laughs) for some people. Um, seems like a lot of successful people do it. So I'm like, I should give this thing a shot. Um, and I really just started thinking about what do I love and dancing like really came up for me and not, I'm not a dancer. Like I am not coordinated or whatever, but I love just putting on my noise canceling headphones in the morning, blasting, like, a fun dance, like playlist with my favorite songs. And I don't do it in front of a mirror because I don't want to see how I look. That is definitely not the point, but it just feels good to do something. That's not for the purpose of burning calories or for the purpose of, you know, checking something off my checklist. Cause oftentimes in the morning, like with a morning routine, I find that I get very rigid with it where it's like, okay, I wake up, I have to meditate, have to drink my lemon water. And it's like, check, 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 check. And that really takes the joy out of it. So I've been really trying lately to be intuitive. Like this morning I woke up and I was like, okay, I am on my period. I'm feeling really low energy, definitely not down for a workout. So I took Squishy for a walk 
listen to, um, I love this app called superhuman. They do, it's her name's Mimi Bouchard and she does walking guided meditations, which is really cool. Cause sometimes I'm feeling like, I don't want to just sit and do a meditation, but I also want to yeah. tap into like my mind. And so she'll kind of guide you as you're on either a 20 minute walk, 30 minute walk. It's really nice. So I did that. And then I came back and I started, I felt a little more energetic and I was like, I kind of just feel this like stagnant energy. I want to just like move my body. So 10, like five or 10 minutes, I just danced and no one was in my room. It was like, just very nice to just like, I drew the curtains closed and I was like, I'm just going to let my freak flag fly and just go. Um, but yeah, I think things that really have helped me is learning more about myself and I can send you guys a list, but like right now I'm reading the untethered soul, which, um, I basically reached out to my friend who's like the most spiritual friend I know. And I was like, give me the, give me the download. Like what are the one-on-one books that I need? Um, and I think a lot of it combined with, you know, obviously kind of dipping my toe into meditation, um, is really just, it's just stillness and it's just spending time with yourself. And I think oftentimes people will, you know, use food and use, either your business or your relationship or whatnot as a distraction. And it's like the hardest thing to just be still with yourself, the hardest thing to really be alone with your thoughts. Um, especially in the age of social media where we can scroll, you know, whenever we feel a negative emotion. So I think for me, that's been such a practice is just, you know, really tapping in and learning, okay, what am I feeling? And then how can I just move through it instead of away from it, instead of being afraid of it? I love that. And what you said about the like, check, 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 100% can relate to that where I'm like, all right, I have to meditate. I have to work out. I have to write down my to-do list and then let's like go. Right. Mm -hmm. So today, even I was just laying in bed and I'm like, I don't have to do any of those things. I really don't. Mm -hmm. What would make me feel good? So I'm like, I was planning on doing, you know, like an incline walk, sweating. And I was like, "Mm, no. And I was like, let me just do a 10 minute, like arm circles series. And that like felt really good, especially just like, I feel so much better too, which is interesting when I'm sitting like my posture. Um, Mm. so I think that's, so what do you do rather than check, check, check? Are you, do you wake up and you're like, what do I need today? Do you ask yourself that question? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I definitely do. I think in the past I would, and I love class pass for many reasons, but I would like, when I was living in San Francisco, I remember I would like sign up for classes for the whole week. And then, you know, you get charged the cancellation fee. So like, God forbid, I would wake up feeling tired. I'd be like, well, I'm still going to Barry's boot camp. So yeah, I really wake up now and it's so night and day. And again, what's interesting, and I don't mean to make this into like a physical thing, but I know that that's what people are always scared of. Like my body hasn't changed the less that I work out. I actually feel better when I work out less and by less, I mean, I was working out almost every single day, like doing more walks, doing just more low impact and more just restorative stuff. I was so terrified to miss a workout, but like looking back, I was crashing by 2 PM, you know, and now it's like, I wake up and I really ask my body, like, I sound so woo woo, but it's really just like doing a quick body scan and being like, what sounds good today? And just listening to your gut. And it sometimes it's hard because your intuition feels very lost and stifled because we're so reliant on external things to tell us what we need. And we're so reliant on the experts and the gurus to be like, you need to do Pilates three times a week, but like, what is your body telling you? So, you know, again, I've been loving really, um, syncing my cycle to my workouts. So right now I'm in my menstrual phase. And if you guys, um, 
anyone listening isn't familiar with like the different phases of your cycle, I'm not an expert, but there's great people out there. Um, Alyssa Vitti, I think is her name. Um, Flow Living, she does like, she has a great book on that. Uh, but basically it's like breaking your cycle up into four different um you know, phases. And so right now I'm in my menstrual phase. So all my hormones are like rock bottom. So they say, you know, you you should have really low energy. So do restorative, um, yoga walks, stretching, napping is like one, you know, and you just think of that. And it's like, I remember in the past I would be feeling this way and I'm like, well, I have to do a workout to like re-energize myself or to like get my motivation back. And it's like, well, what about embracing this time? And it's really empowering actually knowing that. Cause it's like, okay, I know that I'm going to be feeling this way. And it's almost, I feel like I'm doing my body a favor by being like, I'm just going to nurture you. Like, it's almost like being sick and you're just like kind of nesting, you know? Um, so anyway, sorry, I keep, I, I'm like the worst at staying on track with questions. Um, so to answer your question, so I'll wake up. Yeah. Do a body scan. And I almost have this toolbox of things where I feel like I can pick and choose from what I need. So it's like workouts again. Like I, I am someone who, I love moving my body. I'm just, I'm baseline kind of an anxious person. I feel like it helps me release energy before the day and just really gets my mind kind of more calm. Um, so some sort of movement I always try to do in the morning. And again, that could be stretching. That could be walking something gentle. Um, or if I'm like in my ovulatory phase and I'm really feeling high energy, like I'm going to do a sweaty Peloton or just something that makes me feel good and get those endorphins going. Um, and then meditation. And I actually, this is kind of like biohacky, uh, Dave Asprey of me, but I got a red light. So there, I don't know if you guys have heard of red light therapy, but the reason I got it was not because it's trendy in the wellness world, but the research is actually really amazing for Hashimoto's. So I actually have Hashimoto's and it really is effective at reducing your antibodies. Um, so unfortunately my antibodies have been trending upward over the past few years and just, they keep going up and, you know, my doctor's like at a loss for why that's happening. So I was like, all right, well, let me try something new. So I've been meditating in front of my red light and it's just this nice, it just feels like a warm light. Um, and I'll do the super human meditation. And it's just like a nice time for me to kind of, again, be efficient and do two in one. So that's kind of a non-negotiable for me. I, I just, I feel like the meditation and the red light is something that does at least anchor my morning routine. But from there, it's really, you know, again, like, whatever kind of movement I plug and play. Um, and I don't have a lot of time in the morning. So it's really those two things that are all I have time for. And then hydration. I drink a lot of water just because I feel much better um, when I do. And then caffeine. I am not a caffeine gal. Um, I've, I've dabbled. I feel like I try to be, cause like coffee is just a religion here and everywhere. So I'm like, okay, I try to do it. It just makes me jittery and anxious. And I'm like, I guess I'm not a coffee gal. Um, so I do my athletic greens. I do my water and yeah, that's my morning. Were you doing mud water for a hot sack? Yeah, I was doing mud water. Um, it's like a seventh, I think, of the caffeine of coffee. So it's, you know, a little bit better um, in terms of like making me feel less anxious. Yeah. But um, yeah, I was just like, I felt, I don't know. I felt like I I don't, I, I kind of was drinking it to like be part of the cool kids that like has a warm beverage in the morning. And I just, I love waking up and not relying on anything. And I know that's so annoying for people listening that are coffee drinkers. Cause they're like, Oh, like people who don't drink coffee are like, I don't drink coffee. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I'm not judgmental of people that drink coffee just for me personally. Like it makes me feel yeah. unwell. So I, I just <laughs> drink water. It's boring, but, um, yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I feel like we could talk to you literally all day, but for to uh, be considerate of everybody's time and meetings that I have to, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> um, where can people find you? And I'm also curious, what is your favorite uh, granola butter flavor? Ooh, yes. Um, so you can find me Instagram, Ali Bonner or oat.house is our brand Instagram. And then you can find granola butter. Um, we're on Thrive Market, Amazon, Whole Foods, um, wherever you buy your spreads um, <laughs> or our website. And then um, my favorite flavor, honestly, is I just go back to my vanilla. It's so basic. I, I do love our seasonal flavors. I love the strawberry and the apple pie, especially. Um, but the vanilla for me is just, I'm such a like sugar cookie yeah. girl, Nilla wafer girl. And so that's my go-to. Um, yeah, that's probably my answer. <laughs> that's my favorite before strawberry came out. But now yes, yes. Strawberry, strawberry is, a, is a hit. People love that one. Yes. Well, thank you so much. This is amazing. And thank you. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Food Therapy. If you enjoyed what you heard and want to support our podcast, please subscribe, hit download, and share it with your community. We value your feedback. If you feel inspired, please leave a review. Let us know what you've learned and what you would like to hear next. All information about this episode will be linked in our show notes. New episodes of Food Therapy come out every Sunday, but you can stay connected with Food Therapy all week long by following us on Instagram at Food Therapy Pod. As a disclaimer, this podcast should not replace therapy or working with a registered dietitian. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.